0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited for today's show. Veronica Goble is here and she is... Just awesome. This woman, I'm such a big fan of hers. She's been listening to the show since, like, the beginning. And that's not why she's on the show today. She's just a remarkable person. She's a mom who has dedicated herself in the last few years to getting into running. But she didn't start there, which is remarkable considering that her dad, who is now a grandfather a few times over, is, like, trying to break three hours in the marathon. So she comes from this really athletic family and she just wasn't into it at first. And then she got into it a little bit later in life and really took to it. And she's part of the Houston running community, an enormous part of that community an ambassador in so many ways, uh, shapes and forms. And I just couldn't wait to talk to her because she just has had a really interesting journey. She was such a positive attitude towards things. And as you'll hear, She's just just wicked smart. So just getting her insight into all things is really, really exciting. Uh, I do want to say one thing, though. Uh, I forgot to ask a question at the end of this podcast. So let me just say it here. Uh, What I wanted to mention or what I wanted to address with her is um, she mentioned that she used to be a teacher and then she was a stay-at-home mom. But now she's a real estate agent. So I meant to ask her, like, hey, this is the year of real estate agent runners. We got Sarah Vaughn kicking butt. We got Kira D'Amato kicking butt. God, what a missed opportunity on my part. Anyway, let's get into it with Veronica. Veronica, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you.
1: Hey, Matt, long time listener, really excited to be here.
0: You are a long time listener. This is really exciting. This is not the reason
1: yeah. <laughs> why you're
0: here. However, I was going back through like our DMs, just like, all right, when did we start shooting DMs back and forth? And it was funny because I was like, oh my God, this goes way back. Not only Have I loved following your journey as a runner, you're just super fun to follow. You have this great personality, just so much awesomeness. However, back January, like 2018, before the the first Patrick Cutter episode, you're in there like, hey, ask Patrick what what his pace was in his first marathon. This was like, you were like an OG on the Rambling Runner podcast listener front.
1: That was the start of running for me. And you actually introduced a lot of runners Um, just to my attention. And then I met Patrick later who ended up being a really kind guy. Um, so I've loved all of your episodes. I have to give a shout out though, to the marathon Panda, uh, Maurice Loman. He is my favorite. I think maybe the second time you had him on, I related to him a lot and I just, I don't know. I think he's so positive. I love him.
0: Oh he is fantastic and you know with for me a local guy that I get to see on occasion I know you love your local community down in Houston you're like Houston like ride or die and and we'll definitely talk about that so with Maurice what about him and his story like really was like you know a connection point for you or something that you really like just lashed onto
1: so two things. Um, he's really open about addiction. Um, I've never personally struggled with that, but someone that I'm very close to does. And so it was interesting to hear it from his res- his perspective, um, as opposed to like a loved one who has a family member that has an addiction issue. So it was really interesting. Um, and then he's just so positive. He always does like the hashtag Gratefully Grinding. And I've added that to all my posts because um, running like really is a gift. And if we ever, we can't ever forget it, you know, you have to always remember that it's something that you should be grateful for. Um, so both of those things, I was like, this is my dude. He's so positive. This is so much fun. He has no idea who I am. Um, but I love him.
0: <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. And you obviously love running. You know, you've been, we'll by the end of this conversation, it will become completely evident to everyone who's listening to this. However, that wasn't always the case. No. I mean, my goodness, like, I, I'd love to listen to you on the runners of uh, Houston. I think mean, runners of Hugh is what it's called. Um, and they do a great job and some really fun runners. And, and people who, that I've come to know really well have been on that show. And, and uh, I mean, your family is a big, big little running family. How did that
1: not, you know, kind
0: of come into your being earlier on?
1: So I I didn't I started running in 2017 so not that long ago. I went through a weird transition um, from being a teacher and to a stay at home mom. So when I made that transition, it was really hard because I was lonely. Um, and then I started drinking wine excessively and it wasn't healthy. Um, and I had a cousin that just said, Hey, let's go, let's run this marathon in, you know, January. And it was August. And I had Is that, no-
0: that Araceli Richardson?
1: Yes, and All she right. is- I love
0: following her too. She's fantastic.
1: She's a phenomenal runner. She stays super fit. She can not train for a marathon and then just, and by not train, I mean, she'll run once a week for two or three months and then just go out and bust out a 320, like incredible. I don't know how she does. I do not have that, that family gene. That one didn't- You're come on the there. other side of the family tree? <laughs> yeah. My, mine is not like that. Uh, but she kind of put it in my head. She said, let's just go run this marathon. Um, and I said, okay, let's do it. And then, um, you know, it was therapeutic and it was fun. And I met a lot of people. Um, and it's just, it was, it's been a cool journey. So not very, I haven't been running for very long, but I've been having a lot of fun. And your dad.
0: Right. I mean, your dad is like a huge runner and we got to get him on this show. Like you, you we, were, we were talking offline before about him. Like this guy is you know, a maniac and it's awesome, but you know, he, he's a long time runner. So I wonder about this because you have kids, right? You're you've, you've three children, one's in middle school. So you've kind of seen the gamut of like kind of influence you can have on, on a younger kid, all you know, from your youngest now to one who's, you know, kind of like a budding teenager so your dad's running all the time. And now he's like, you know, a grandfather who's like trying to run some three in the marathon, which is insanity. So talk about that dynamic with you, like deciding not to go that route and him obviously being a big part of, of his life and, and any other family members that were close to you at the time.
1: So I always, I always joke with him um, and it's a joke and I'm not meaning to be offensive to anyone because I don't mean it offensively, but I'm, I'm always like, dad, you are so old. You are going to hurt yourself. There is no reason for you to be trying to run sub three. Um And he always tells me, on the other hand, he's like, you're so young. How can you be running so slow? You're supposed to be healthy. And, you know, we just mess with each other like that. But um, he has been on the sub three journey. He attempted it two years ago at CAM and he got the flu two weeks before the flight left. Um and he refused to cancel. He was like, I'm just gonna go. Um, he ran, I think, at 315. Um, then and he was like pouting and so bummed. I'm like, dude, I wish I could run at 315. Like with the I'll, flu. With the flu. I'm like, let me do that. Um, so he attempted again at the Woodlands this past March 304. And then um he attempted again this past weekend at um, Chevron. And he did not get it. He, um, something happened. He started cramping and vomiting at mile 16. So oh. his splits, I know. He, I think he went to medical. Um, his splits until then were right at 650 and then bad. So he went to medical, took off his bib, and he still finished it, but he was so embarrassed that he didn't want that time recorded. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, and here we are, putting him completely on blast. Let's say his name just so we everyone can bring it up to him.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I won't, <laughs> I won't rat on you, dad. <laughs> but, but yeah, before
0: anyone starts looking him up on the Chevron website, we should say Veronica is married. So if you look up her last name, that is not going to be her dad's last name.
1: Yeah, but he is incredibly fit. He um is very knowledgeable and he actually paced me on my marathon PR. So the PR that I currently have, um, he ran with me, which was super cool, probably will never happen again. Um, I, not a lot of people get a chance to run a marathon with a parent because typically the younger person is faster than the older person. <laughs> uh, but in our case, it's the opposite. And um, it was really cool because we got to experience that two years ago, the last time it was live.
0: So did you like rebel against athletics as a kid? Is that why you didn't get into it? Or did you just have just strong feelings for other things?
1: Uh, I was not athletic. I was into theater. Um, My dad would actually not make us, but he would make us run every day after school. He'd be like, everybody has to run a mile. You have to go out and run a mile. So we would walk to our friend's house down the street, talk, and then come back and be like, whew, that was tough. That was a hard (laughs) mile. (laughs) Um, and it just it just really didn't appeal to me. I had no desire to um, to be active, really, until I was an adult. So, you know,
0: how interesting not as a parent of three now, how does that inform or not inform some of the decisions you make with your kids, whether or not to, like, get them into sports or being active? And obviously, like, just like your dad was, you're very active uh, so they can see it firsthand. And just how is it, how has it affected you as a parent?
1: So it's crazy because now I want to do the same thing and encourage, not force. But so encourage- you,
0: you know what to do now. You're like, I'm following you on the bike. No yeah. cheating.
1: I want to encourage my kids to be active because I do think it's good for your mental health just to move and, um, and you know, just to be a healthier person. But I would never force it. My son is very athletic He's naturally athletic. Um, And then so he's 13. My daughter, my middle child is six, um, and I don't think she's going to be my athletic one. Uh, I mean, it's really early to tell, but she's very artistic. So, um, you know, I would never force her to do it. Eventually, I think everyone finds what they love. And for me, I didn't find it until later, which is fine because I'm not burnt out, you know.
0: All right, well, let's talk about it, right? Because, you know, you had plenty of chances to fall in love with running along the way. I know you kind of like spoke about it real quick a couple of minutes ago, but what about this first foray into running with your cousin and, you know, and where, where were you at that point in your life and some of the the, the rationale and just the the characteristics of the situation that lent itself to running, finally taking hold where maybe it may have missed the mark before.
1: Um, You know, I feel like it, it evolved over time. So the first time when I ran that first marathon, it was just truly about completion. It was like, wow, this is a really cool thing that people do. They run this far. That's awesome. Um, And I just wanted to complete it. And I remember, and so my first finish time, for my marathon was 519, which is longer than the average person. Um, But when I finished, I had no idea what an average time was. And I was so proud of myself. I was like, yes, I am the baddest bee in the world. This is so cool. Um, But then I realized that with training, you can, you know, progress a little. And so then it became about progress. And then I spent the next two years trying to trained differently. And that was fun to see progress. Um, and then I think my I did like a 425 and then a 401. Right, uh, but You're
0: skipping past so many interesting things. I uh, love that your story is so interesting. We can't I can't just let you fly by some of that stuff. Because like, let's go talk about your training for that first marathon. Because, you know, you have a coach now, Caleb Neff, you've worked with another coach in your past who's been on this show, Laura Anderson and Galeazzo on the podcast before. We're not going to talk about her affinity for the Buffalo bills who may or may (laughs) not have beat my favorite team last weekend. However, um, you know, so you, you're at a point now where you know how to train for this. You also have a dad who's obviously very, very well versed in this and in the Houston running scene, which you are an integral part of as well. However, that first marathon, the training was not exactly by the book. So I have to ask. First of all, let's tell the people what the training was. I already know, but I, I, so the people who are listening will know. And then we can talk about how, given all that had happened, why it latched on to like, all right, this wasn't just a one and done situation, which for so many people it can be, that this became a seed that germinated.
1: Yeah. So for the first one, I trained with a running group that's local here, um, and they would send out a plan, like a beginner plan and I just very loosely fall. I didn't realize how important it was to actually train to run the distance. Um, so I was running maybe two or three times a week. Um, and maybe my max was like 14 miles before I did it. Um, and so, and also, and I always forget this. I, it never, I never remember this, but when I ran my first one, I was pregnant. So, um, I crossed the finish line and then I had to, I didn't take a break. I actually ran through pregnancy, um, but not hard, like easy. My doctor said, you know, just keep your heart rate low and you can continue. You've been running, so you'll be fine. Um, And so when I was had my daughter, I contacted Laura, who was the best, and I trained with her for the next two years. And she brought me from a 519 to a 401, which was super cool, like an hour and a half, marathon PR, if you put it into perspective for whatever yours is, you know, it's it's a really huge jump. It's a
0: three minute per mile decrease. I mean, it's an astounding increase.
1: It's insane. And so she helped me. She gave me like a great training plan, but also I was training with my dad and he just had so many little nuggets of wisdom that he would help me. So we would run hills and he would tell me, you know, okay, when you're running a hill, control your breathing. All you're doing is changing the focus on your legs. Your breathing is controlled. Um, or when we would be running in the streets, he would say always, you know, be aware of where your foot lands. You don't want to land in a pothole or, you know, just like very little things that you wouldn't normally think about that make a huge difference. Um, Something that I'm really bad about is running tangents. Almost every marathon that I've run, and I know that GPS affects so much of this too, but um, like this on like the marathon that I just ran um my watch ended at 28.9 um, <laughs>
0: Look, you ran an ultra.
1: Yeah. So I'm really, really, really bad about that. So when I ran my PR, he talked to me through the whole thing about how, how to run the tangents and, um, controlling your breathing and just little mental things that are not part of your training block. Um, like the paperwork, you know? Um, so that was really cool to go through. Um, and then when COVID hit and everything went virtual, I was uncoached for a little bit and I went nuts. I ran like a maniac. I think a lot of people were really smart and took a break. They took it as a sign and said, time to relax. You know, I went crazy. (laughs) I did like the David Goggins challenge and then I did the Yeti Ultra and I was running on the trails and um, I went crazy. So then when I started the training block for this Houston I was burnt out.
0: <laughs> I gotcha. Well, I can't wait to talk about the trail running because that was that's an interesting thing to, to take on. And so many people took on new things uh, during the COVID experience, depending on where people lived and what options they had. And obviously, it's like one of those things where people, a lot of people weren't traveling. But spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> people are like, no, no crap. Shit them. Uh, everyone knows that. Um, but, you know, depending where you live, if, if that's an option for you, it's like, why not explore it? But um, before we get into that, though... You know, you you mentioned that you were pregnant for your first marathon. Did you know
1: you were pregnant for that first marathon? I was very early on, so I did know. Um, I was probably a month and a half in, pregnant, so very like not noticeable physically, um, but enough for me to ask my daughter, do- my doctor, like, "Hey, is this cool that I'm running this marathon?" <laughs> Um, and they said, yeah, you know, if, as long as you aren't going at a crazy hard effort and, you know, they did a lot, of, he talked to me a lot about heart rate. Um, and so I was able to run it. Uh, I probably would have still run a 520 had I not been pregnant just because of my training wasn't great. Um, but, um, yeah, so I was. And then I ended up having to take the next year and just kind of relax. <laughs>
0: That was awesome. So what was the response from dad once like you all of a sudden, you know, Veronica, who had shunned running for years is now like getting into it so much so that she's running through her pregnancy.
1: So he's funny if you meet him in real life and people that know him uh, will just his personality is very um, he's quiet and he's sarcastic. So he he doesn't say anything. He won't say anything. Um He never said, I'm so glad you're running or anything. He just I think he was afraid he would scare me off of it. So he just let me run. Um, And we're obviously at a lot of the same races because, you know, we're Houston races. And he will typically at races, he'll run finishing however long before me, and then he'll come back and then run me in. So (laughs) it's been a fun experience to have that, um, just to have that, you know, with a parent.
0: Oh, I can imagine. All right, so as so so you had that first marathon experience. You're then you you run through a pregnancy. You have you have a child after that, and then you obviously at that point are, are hooked. I mean, you're running through pregnancy for a reason. Obviously, you you wanted to get back into it. Tell me about how you ingratiated yourself into the Houston running scene. And I say this in because now you've been a Houston a Chevron Houston Marathon ambassador twice over. you obviously are really well you know ingrained into that community so tell me not only you know the kind of the the genesis of that but why it became important to you um not just physically but just socially to be involved to such a high degree
1: so it was i think two years ago i applied to become an ambassador because i really loved it like so much when i ran the first two no when i ran the first three marathons I would write this lengthy race recap and I would post it on my Facebook and on my Instagram and I would get so emotional because, you know, each marathon is a different experience. And I now understand that fully. Like You can never expect anything. You never know how it's going to end up. Um, But each one was so different. And I would write these recaps and I would just cry and I would tag the marathon just to let them know, like, I love you so much. Um, And I think they reached out to me later and they said, hey, you know, we really love reading your recaps. Um, And I applied to be an ambassador. They chose me to to do that. And that really forced me to meet a lot of people. So I live in Tomball, which is probably 45 minutes from Houston. So I'm not really central. Like the Mecca of Houston is called Memorial Park, and that's where everybody runs. Um, If you want to and it's you feel safer there because there's a ton of people running at all times. Um, and so it forced me to come into the city to come and meet a lot of people. Um, I met a really core group of friends. I joined a new running group who really pushed me shout out to the Houston Harriers. Um, and it just, I met so many people. It was so much fun. And the thing that I love, and I'm assuming it's like this in every city, but I don't know, um, just in Houston, it is for sure. Everyone is so accepting. I have never met anyone in our run community that is not inclusive. So you can just show up anywhere and you have friends and you can be from out of town. If you came, they would say, Matt, what's up? Come run with us. And everyone was just so friendly. Um, and then being a mom of three and being a stay at home mom at that, I think I was missing community. and uh, And I found it.
0: Oh, that is fantastic, and and being that far away from a running club, though, can be tough, right? Because you mentioned like you're spending a lot. You have three kids. You're spending a lot of time with them, and shoot, you know, spending over an hour in the car driving both ways on top of what the run can be. I know that can be that can be a tough thing. And what was that like for you? Kind of navigating that process because not only is it like just navigating the process of like carving out the time, but you have kids who have activities, you have the parental guilt that comes with it. You have a spouse. You want to make sure that like, you're not like completely stepping on their toes every single time that you're doing something like this. And and there's, there's a lot that can kind of come, come of, you know, those kinds of choices, even there are, you know, there's so many positives. There aren't, there there are also some trade-offs as well.
1: Oh yeah. And you hit all of that perfectly. So, you know, the, parental guilt, wanting to be a good spouse. So I only drive out there for the Saturday long runs and then I do every other run at home, mostly because I'm pretty, I'm like a stickler for my training plan, whatever my coach says I do. So, um, if it's like easy miles, not everybody has the same easy mile pace and we don't all have the same workout on the same day. Um, but on the long runs, typically it's an easy run, you know, and you can run with your friends. Um, but I run a lot on the treadmill. So I know a lot of people have a hatred for the treadmill. I think it is a very. <laughs> i here, raising here. my hand <laughs> I,
0: it's right there. Screw you, treadmill.
1: <laughs> I love the treadmill it because it is a tool that allows me to do what I need to do. So. Um, if my husband has to work late and I have to get a run in, um, it's our treadmill is set up in our game room so the kids can watch a movie. I can see them. I'm right there in case, you know, they get into a fight or whatever, you know, um, and I don't mind it. It's actually the only time that I get to watch TV. So I'll watch a show and every training cycle. I'll run at least one twenty 20-miler on the treadmill. Um, Let's talk about
0: this one because I wanted to bring this up. This is the perfect segue. Yeah. You ran a 20-mile. I couldn't believe it when you posted this because I was like, if I run a five-mile on the treadmill, it feels like I ran an ultra-marathon. So – and my treadmill's down to my basement as well, but like it, you know, I'm. Mine is more of like the Liz Lemon variety. I don't know if you're a fan of the the show Thirty Rock. Yep. It's like my, my treadmill's my treadmill's more likely to like have clothes hanging off of it than to have runners hanging off of it. Um. So tell me about the twenty miler in the show you chose because I think twenty miles of treadmill is nuts. I mean, in, in the best way possible. I don't mean that yeah. derogatorily, but you know, this is just, this is just like, so exciting for me to talk about.
1: I find it super enjoyable and people cannot, it blows their mind. I have people that will say, I will not get on a treadmill for one mile. I would rather die outside in the snow or the heat or whatever. I love the treadmill. Um, I watched Emily in Paris on Netflix. I love that show. I watched... Twenty miles worth of Emily in Paris, and I had a—I actually had a really enjoyable time. That's I was a like, lot.
0: That's a lot of Gabriel smirks. I'm just gonna say <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of Gabriel smirks.
1: I love it. I think that's so funny. That show is so funny, and the fashion, and I—I I just found it really enjoyable. And so I like have my water. I have everything I need, and it's climate control. I can control my pace um, because something that I struggle with is running my run my easy runs too fast and when I get on the treadmill I can control it and say all right on this run you are running this pace and that's what you're doing and it becomes easy I think it's crazy that people don't love the treadmill why wouldn't you
0: why wouldn't you (laughs) um I think for me part of it can be like just the calibration right so it's like there are some treadmills that run hot and there's some that do the opposite. Almost none of them are, are perfect, even out of the box. Um, so if you get on a treadmill that like you put it on, say, like 6.5 miles an hour, you're like, OK, this is gonna be a nice easy run. You know, this easy runs are all relative, but 6.5 being like, OK, like what am I thinking of? You no. Know, yeah. So like I'm not even on 6.5. I mean, I mean, like 5.5. So like yeah. so like you're like, say you're like, you know, six miles an hour. Is 10 minute miles. So we put like 5.5, like nice and cruising. Put, you put 5.5 on my treadmill. You're going to be like, this is not. It's totally
1: different. It's like, that's-
0: so like that, that, that throws me off. And then like, and it's funny. I coach all these runners and I give them all these mental cues, but it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Cause then I can't, I struggle with it every time.
1: Yeah. But the cool thing about easy runs is though, is that they're supposed to be easy. So you just gauge it off your effort. So like my easy run is not always at a certain number on the treadmill. It's whatever feels easy that day. So that, but, and I'll never do a workout on the treadmill. Workouts are always outside and my long runs are typically outside, but the easy runs, um, I like to watch TV.
0: <laughs> I like it. Well, this is the thing is that when I do – one of the things that I have to do on a treadmill on occasions where I, where, I, you, where I do use it, which is basically like if it's icy, which is really the only time when I use it, um, is I have to run by time. So if I run by miles, then I'm inherently connected to the pace.
1: Yep.
0: Right? So it's like if the pace is weird – and I'm running by miles, then my mileage is going to feel weird because I'm, I'm connected to it. So it's like, all right, no, I'm going to run for an hour. Doesn't matter. Just running. I'm running for an hour because the, the, I can't say a mile because I don't even know how far I've gone because I know it's not calibrated correctly. And it's not like an old treadmill either. Um, and it's funny because I want a treadmill that I can change the setting on where it's like instead of like miles per hour, I just want to have like letters. Yeah. So like I completely dissociate. From like the actual like if you're not going to be calibrated correctly, let's just change the nomenclature completely. So it's like, no, what level am I doing? I'm doing L today. Yeah. Maybe if I'm feeling good, I'll do M or N. Maybe some speed work, I'll do do P or Q. Right. So it's like it's not connected to time at all.
1: It's just a body a body check on effort, which I think is so cool. And something else, I feel like I'm just really raving about treadmills here, but (laughs) uh, I. In my head, I can mentally switch when I'm running a race and say treadmill mode, go. And know that my body will just continue at that pace. And I've trained it for so long on the treadmill to just go. And so um, I don't want to jump around, but for this race that I just ran, the, for the the marathon, the recent one this past weekend, um, I went into treadmill mode because I was a little undertrained and I just wanted to have fun, so I told myself like get on your normal treadmill mode and just run it. And I did, and it's so cool to be able to switch the mindset like that.
0: I like that. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And especially when you talk about the climate controlled perspective, right? We've had people on the show had uh, Marie Maldonado on here a couple years ago for a coaches corner episode. Who who's from Houston? Who just ran the Chevron Houston Marathon as well uh, last weekend? And Nikki Cannon who was on here two weeks ago and also ran did her forty. She finished forty and forty. Congratulations, Nikki! Um,
1: She's incredible. And and really kind.
0: It's so kind and um, you know. With you guys, I feel like when I when I talk to Houston runners, it reminds me of like a magnet that you'll see on people's fridges every once in a while. Where it's like it says like if you're going through hell, keep going. It reminds me of like the the definition of a Houston runner because y'all are running through crazy temperatures, seemingly. All year round, except for January, but basically the entire like the other eleven months seem to be it's really hot, boiling hot. Which I can see why a treadmill would be so nice to have, especially if you have, of course your every house in Houston probably has AC to some degree. So like if you have that at your disposal, like why not?
1: Yeah, it's it's typically here over a hundred degrees year round, so it's really hot. But it's the humidity that's the killer. It's really humid here. Um, but somehow most years on marathon day, we get blessed with beautiful weather. So when that weather kicks in and we've been training in the heat all year long, everyone is flying. And most of the people that I talked to that ran the marathon this past weekend had really great races because the weather was incredible. It was 30 degrees, not very windy, um, like perfect race weather. It
0: was the same temperature in 2020. Mm-hmm. It was um at least downtown near my hotel, it was um it was windy for sure. It was it was real windy. I remember going for a run, I think the morning of the race, or maybe it was the morning before, and being like, I can only go on like these kind of streets because I was just getting blasted going through the city and you'd come around the corner and be like, bam, wind, block. Um, but yeah, it was like it was the exact same thing. Like it was perfect temperatures. Um it was almost the point where I was like, I wonder if it's too cold especially with the wind. Like I, maybe it was just like the city thing. Cause I don't know when you're in a city, you know, with how the buildings can set up and can, it can create little like mini wind tunnels, but you never know how it's going to work out. Like on the extended course.
1: Yep. And it's freezing while you're in the corral, but once you start running, you warm up. And then I always, I always look like a psycho in the corral. I actually was embarrassed. Cause I met a few people for the first time this past weekend. Um, the, you know, I, I don't know what his name is actually. CJ the Runner. He just ran a sub three. Oh, of course. <laughs> so I met him in the corral. Um, but I don't like to be cold. Corey I'm- Joyner.
0: I, he <laughs> was on the show a year ago.
1: Corey, yes. Okay, so kind. Uh, I met him and I gave him a hug and he gave me a He was so kind, but it was freezing and I'm not playing around with the cold. I went to Goodwill. I had this huge pink furry robe on. I had on this little hat. I had hand warmers. I was warm. Um I obviously shed it all like at the start line, um, but... I didn't look fantastic, <laughs> but I was warm. Um, and so it can be cold in the corral, but then, you know, by the time you get to mile three, you're fine and you're thankful for the cold.
0: So let's talk about you picking up trail running um, during COVID. So what was the impetus behind it and what was that like uh, as a change of pace to compare compared to what you had been doing? Because obviously there's a, a huge difference between running predominantly on the treadmill to hitting the trails.
1: Oh, yeah. Trail runners are crazy in the best way possible. It's so different. So when COVID hit, there were no road races. And if you wanted to run, you could run on the trails. Trail racing was still going on. So my cousin was going to run, gosh, I think it was a 100 miler. Um, and she said, hey, do you want to come out and run? Was with this jalapeno? Me? Jalapeno, yes. I remember
0: on the other pod, you was it runners of Houston, you talked about she did the 100K.
1: Or 100K. That's what it is. She ran the 100K. Um, and she said, do you want to come out? And I was like, I've never run on the trails before. But, I mean, there's no other racing, so I'll, I'll go. Um, and I registered for the 25K. So I went out and run it. It's a noon start time. And like we just said, super hot in Texas. So it was over 100 degrees. There's no, There are no trees there. Um, and so it was really hot. So I ran the 25K. And. Um, which was an interesting experience because it's not the road. It's not flat. You know, you have to be really mindful of your footing. Um, it's pretty exhausting. You, your effort is exerted differently. Um, and then I paced her for her last 25 K. So I went out and did that at like two o'clock in the morning. Um, and it was a really cool experience. It was because it was so dark. You can't see anything. Um, you don't want to get lost on the trails and be out there longer than you need to be. Um, and she had to run a full hundred K for me to be able to keep up with her. so.
0: So, so did you, did you have to borrow her gear? Like, did you have the headlamps? Did you have like the appropriate stuff?
1: Yeah, so I had um I went out and bought a pair of trail shoes and that was all I had, but we went with our run group, um the Harriers, and we had a camp. And so everyone just kind of said, "Use my lamp. You can use that." I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, "Yay, this is fun." <laughs> um but it was actually really fun. Um, And it was a really good bonding experience because you're out there for so long. And then when you're finished with the race at, you know, three o'clock in the morning, um, you're not driving home. So we all camp there and and it was really fun. It was something different. It switched it up and kind of renewed the love for running because you can get tired of road racing. I think you can overdo it. Um, And then to switch it up and have something different was was fun.
0: And I've heard your race calendars. I mean, you you usually run a lot of races and part of being in a run group and being in a social environment, like you want to sign up for all the races because you know everyone in them. And yeah, when you do that sort of thing, you're right. It, it can be easy to overdo it.
1: It can. And that was a, a something that happened this year with COVID. They rearranged the races. So all the ones that I normally did that were spread out over a few weeks, um, this time they were all back to back. So I think there was a a period of time where I ran four races in a row and then I had a week off and then I ran another one. So by the time I got to Houston marathon, um my body was pretty shot and I knew that it would not be a goal race for me, which has never happened before. I've never gone, you know, most people actually I don't want to say that. I was gonna say most people only run one marathon a year, but there are a ton of people that run a lot more than one marathon a year. I only run one marathon a year. So typically I'm going all out because it's my only chance. Um, and this year, I wasn't—I don't know—I wasn't feeling it. I said, "I'm just going to go out there and run for joy and just have a different experience." And it actually ended up being really fulfilling. I'm so glad I did it. Um, I was bummed because it was perfect weather. Had I been properly trained, I—I I could have had an amazing day because it was so nice out. Um, but I—we didn't we should go say out-
0: your coach had an amazing day. He—he he paced. Kara D'Amato to Came the good. American record in the marathon. That is, We said your coach, Caleb Neff. It is that Caleb Neff, the person who did that pacing and has done similar pacing in the past.
1: Yes, it was so incredible to see. It, for, it was incredible for the record to be broken by a mom of, I think, also a mom of three or two, um, and then him to be out there pacing her was a cool experience for him and he shared with us a little bit like in our coaching chat that we have. Um, so really cool. It was a big day in Houston for a lot of people and then Sarah Hall also um, broke a record as well and a half.
0: She sure did. That's for sure so many so many great people did amazing things. Frank Laura, 211 first marathon.
1: And it's, it's amazing. People are amazing. And and it was really just a good day. A fellow not...
0: Texan, too. Frank. Frank's a fellow Texan just like you. And he doesn't live there now. But, you know, he's been on the show, so I can holler at him a little bit.
1: So everybody should come to Houston so you can run a PR.
0: <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, so let, let's talk about that decision-making process, right? Because you mentioned, like, obviously Houston's your race. You're literally an ambassador. This is your hometown race. You traditionally run one marathon a year. This is the one you're going to make a go at you start the training cycle again you he would run a lot in the preceding year which is there's nothing wrong with that obviously that's a positive thing and you're able to make the most of a a, a tough covid type situation so walk me through the decision matrix of deciding okay i don't quite have it and i'm not going to push it but i still want to do the race but i'm good. basically all the, all the pieces here because you know, when we, when we kind of glide through it, it makes it sound like it was an easy decision. I'm sure it wasn't that easy. And there was probably a lot of layers to it.
1: Yeah, it was hard. So when I, Cal has been coaching me for a little over a year. And when we first started together, I told him and I was so straightforward with him. I said, I really want to run a a sub four marathon, which is not a huge deal for a lot of people, um, but I would say I'm an average, middle of the pack runner. And the last time I ran a marathon, a live one, before then, I ran a 4:02, I think. Um, and all of my half times, though, and my 10k times and my 5k times, all said like, "Hey, I think you can run a little bit faster than a 4:01." My my issue in the 4:01 was fueling. I then wasn't fueling well. Um, And he said, oh, yeah, he said, we could get you there. He said, honestly, 349 is doable for you. If we have a really good training cycle, I think that's something you can shoot for. So I went in with that intention. And then, you know, my body said no. My training cycle didn't go well. I ran all the miles, but my workout. Can can I
0: stop you there? When you say your body said no, I want to dive into this because not every training cycle goes the way we want it to, even if we. Do all the things. Yeah. So when you say your body said no, what exactly does that mean? And, and you know, over what period of time are we talking about? Not just like, obviously, it's not one training run where you make that sort of determination.
1: So... From the very first indicator run. So every year I have all these little indicator runs that I'll run. I like we have a 10 miler here that's in the very beginning of the year. So to, I think it's in August or September. We have a 10 mile here. So I'll run the 10 mile and that'll kind of say, okay, We'll shoot for these training paces. I totally bombed it. It didn't work out. I ran slower than I had ever run before. And that happens, you know, that's like not a reason to throw your whole training plan off. Sometimes you have a bad day. Um, and I ran I always run. We have two halves here that I run, and up until then, my half times were like right at 150. Um, and I came in much slower on those two. I think I came in at like 159. So wait, nine minutes is a huge slowdown. Um, and I just didn't feel well. Every time I tried to run a hard effort, my body wouldn't allow me. Um, and so I think part of each year running has just allowed me to become more aware of my body and reading its signals. And so over time, I, I talked to Cal and I said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but my um, my effort is just feeling so hard for every run, every workout. Um, and so we took a deep dive and we looked at everything. I was running my easy runs too fast. and um... So
0: what, let's, let's put a number on that because you talked about this earlier and I meant to ask you a question about it, that you have a propensity to do this. So what were you running your easy runs at and what is like the instigator for like for running your easy runs too fast? Some pe- a lot of people do it, but a lot of people have different reasons for doing it.
1: So I was running my easy runs at like a 9.30. So to put it in perspective, my hopeful marathon pace was like 8.45. Um, that's really close to my marathon pace for an easy run. <laughs> uh, and it just... I started running with people and that's what happened. I was running with friends who were faster than me. And in order for me to keep up with them, I had to run a little quicker, which is fine. Um, but I don't think you should do it for every run. And, um, And I just ended up with like a little bit of burnout. But I think also a a huge part of it is your mindset going into whatever you're doing. And my heart wasn't in the training this year. I just didn't have it there. You you have to be physically ready, but your mind also has to be ready for it. And um, it wasn't there. I just wanted to chill. I was like, I just want to run and have fun. And, um, so pretty quickly I knew that this was not going to be a training cycle where I was running for a PR, um, which is fine. It doesn't always have to be, but, um, for me, it had always been like, let's progress. Let's, let's see what else we can do. Let's go more. Let's go further. Um, and I needed, I think a time to just really appreciate the run for what it is and what your body allows you to do.
0: Did you ever consider not running Houston?
1: absolutely i called cal and i said cal i'm not running this <laughs> i said
0: when, when I- was that phone call
1: <laughs> that was about four weeks out i called him and i was like look i'm not doing this A little, this little
0: is- christmas phone call to the neph residents cal put away the christmas presents
1: yeah he's like no um you're running this you're fine everything is fine uh, you're just stressing about this um, because it was crazy. All of my workouts, I had been hitting all of the paces, but when I would get to the long run, I was really struggling on the long run, which has never been an issue for me before. And so he told me, he said, you know what, if you wait two weeks, if you decide you don't want to run it, don't run it, you know, and we'll, we can, we have another uh, marathon here in March. Um, and he's like, you could try to do that one. Um, Is but that the as- Woodlands? In the woodlands. Mm-hmm. And as we got closer to the time, there was just no way I couldn't run it. This this race is so big. There's so many people here. I have so many memories. And I thought, okay, well, this will be cool to run. Not for time. Let's just go out and have fun. Uh, of course, I secretly hoped that I would, you know, like have some hidden fitness there. That would, ju- But that's not how it works. <laughs> of, course, so, of course. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, no PR for me. I think it was actually (laughs) one of my slower ones, but it was fun.
0: So let's talk about that. Like when you were going through the race, were you able to enjoy it or were you again, and it doesn't have to be a dichotomy. There's obviously a range here and, and you can feel two things at the same time, but did you have like, did you have that sense of enjoyment or did you have a lot of what if moments?
1: Oh, I had, so I had nothing but joy and gratitude. I had so much fun. Um, and I was, I honestly was worried that I would be, uh, regretful and like re- feeling remorseful that I hadn't fully committed to training, but I had so much fun. The course, honestly. So the cool thing about Houston and probably for anyone's hometown marathon is you're running through all the places that you train. So you have all of these memories at all of these places that you're running through. So you run through Memorial and you think, oh, I ran all of these long runs here with my friends. You run through downtown. It's like um, a reminder of your training cycle. You get to run through all of the parts of it. Um, But it was really cool because I got to run with friends this time. And I did something that I had never done before, and that was talk to random people that were running that I didn't know. So typically when you're running these, or when I'm running these, I'm so selfish. And I'm like, oh, I got to get this time. You're concentrating on your effort. And this time I didn't care. So it was fun to talk to um, people along the way.
0: That's uh, Talking to people along the way is like such a um... – it's it's like a hidden gem of of these races, and it's something that like I ne- had never done in the past. But like occasionally, I would say these past the last two races I've done Richmond half, and then the California International Marathon, I've had the chance to run into people on the course and just talk to talk to people, and as I am going, and like you are right, like it it's phenomenal, it's something that like I never would have viewed as like a a takeaway. Of the race, like, wow, this was a really enjoyable part of the experience as opposed to like, oh, yeah, that was nice. But here are my splits. And as opposed to like now, it's like, no, I focus more on that. Not that I wasn't running hard. Lord knows I was. But it it really does become more of a takeaway than I would have imagined.
1: Yeah, it, it was fun. I so I think I was at mile 15 or 16. And so I was wearing a Harrier's singlet and the Harrier's group is a pretty speedy little group. Um, I'm the slowest member. And um...
0: (laughs) shout out to Amelia Benton, who was one of the people I ran with at CIM, who I know is also wore a Harrier singlet in that race.
1: Yes, she, she BQ'd. She, this, I think, was her 10th um, Chevron and or Houston Marathon, and she BQ'd. It was amazing. She had a great training cycle, opposite of mine. She did so great. Um, but I was wearing a singlet, and this guy ran up behind me, and he said, hey, what are you doing back here? <laughs> and I was like, Well, um, and I I didn't know who he was, but he was an older guy, and um, we were talking, and it was his 26th Houston Marathon, which was nuts. Um, And I I know. And he said, Are you going to go for a legacy runner, which is 10 years? And I said, you know, I don't know if I could uh, commit to that. I don't know if I'll make it 10 years, you know. And he said, just one year at a time. He's like, you never have to plan for it. Just one year at a time. Um, and we talked for about three miles and then he sped off. He was like a speedy little guy and he was out of there. <laughs> 26th Houston Marathon, which was insane. His name is Victor. I don't know what his last name was, though. Great I- job,
0: I- Victor. It's funny. I wonder if there's like a that that could be like a special like demarcation as well right because obviously everyone knows the marathon is 26 miles like your 26th turn time it's like it's even more, it's even cooler than like the 25th anniversary right yeah it's if like, if like your 25th anniversary for high school or college that's like a hallmark moment right quarter of a year i mean quarter of a century but like the 26th kind of holds a special a special place i would think for most marathoners
1: Huge. I was shocked. I was like, come again? Can you repeat that? 26? Is that what you said? (laughs) Um, But it was, you know, it was really cool. So I got to run that with him. I actually ran the first eight miles with a friend that I train with normally. Um, And so the marathon, the course splits at eight. So the half marathon people split off at mile eight, and then the marathon course splits off at, um, at eight. So running the marathon, you go right, running the half, you go left. She ran with me until that point and she kept saying, just, go, you know, you go. I, I can feel like um, I feel like you want to go. You, you I feel like you don't want to be running, you know, this pace right now. And I was like, OK, I'll go. And I later found out that she was hurt um, and she wanted to walk, but she <laughs> just like didn't want me to walk with her. Um and so I ran part How of How many work. of
0: us have done that in the past? I f- I feel yeah. like I've done that all the time with like my some of my faster running friends where I'm like I try to come off as so magnanimous like no I'm so generous please go ahead and just yeah. like finally when they leave me alone I'm like thank god thank god they're gone.
1: Yeah and I felt so bad afterwards because I was like oh I wish I shouldn't have been you know like Pushing and, and it's not that well, I was were push-
0: trying to be a nice friend too. You know, it's like, it's like, like you're both trying to be super nice, but at the same time, it's like, we're probably both better off if we just separate here.
1: Definitely. And that was what worked out better. So we separated, um, and then, you know, you run alone for a little bit. I ran, um, so I was planning, my goal for this race was to start at nine 20, stay at nine 20 until the end. And that was like in my realm of, um, uh, capability, just, you know, easy run, um, and I got to mile 23 and I ran into a friend there who was not like just an acquaintance was actually a really good friend of mine who was having a really bad day. Um, and he was not moving. He was just standing there drinking a beer and I was like, "Uh Oh, cause this is not, not the, the normal
0: hydration strategy in the race.
1: No, and this is not the normal for him. He is a much faster guy than I am, like very strong, so I knew there so was So you a had
0: no expectation of seeing him on the course?
1: None. I wouldn't there will never be in a million years a time that him and I finish at the same time ever. So it was really I was like, "What is happening?" and he was just having a bad day. So, um, I I just it wasn't a goal race for me and I was like, "Yeah, let's do this together. We'll finish this together." And so we just took it at the the last three miles very slowly. We would run a quarter of a mile and then walk, and then run a quarter of a mile and then walk. Um, And we got to. I did that
0: at CIM. That was that's how I did. That's how I finished my last three miles.
1: (laughs) And it's painful when you um, have reached your max effort and then your body just won't go anymore. And that's where he was at. And he kept telling me, he's like, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, you can definitely do this let's go. (laughs) Uh, But it was really cool because him and I got to talk and we just talked about random life things that were going on. It was an experience that we wouldn't have had otherwise. We crossed the finish line together. um, And when is that ever going to happen? Every race is so different, you know? And so afterwards he was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed um, that that was my finish time. And I was like, I had a great time. I'm so happy that (laughs) I, I was, you and I talked about this a little bit before we jumped on, but huge Alexi Pappas fan. Um, and she had her race recently where she didn't run for time. Um, and she, you see all these pictures of her smiling and running around the course. Um, and I felt like I channeled my inner Alexi Pappas and I was like, lifting my hands in the air. I was trying to get the crowd to like clap. I was running behind him. I was trying to get the the crowd to like cheer him on. It was so much fun. Um, And I'm really thankful that I had a fun run. Um, But I hope that they're not all like that. (laughs) I do want to train properly and run one, but it was fun to do it for, you know, one time.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So what was it like from a recovery standpoint, right? So you've run a lot of marathons really hard. You've run a lot of different um, times in the marathon, but you've all put everyone you put like your max effort into where this one seemed like you didn't, you know, you went into this with a very different strategy. So what was the recovery like and how are you feeling now as you move forward?
1: I felt so I felt really good finishing i felt good the next day i was still sore it's a long time to be on your feet I and finished, i should
0: say but this race was like last weekend <laughs> so yeah it, it has not been yeah. like a month or anything
1: <laughs> it was last weekend um we finished in 427 so it's still a long time to be on your feet so like still hamstrings are tight um and i don't take a lot of stock into the heart rate monitor on your watch but i do monitor you know it fluctuates and i like to see how it fluctuates um, my watch said I was in zone two the whole time. I never got in zone three. There was no zone four. I was just like very calm run. So from the aerobic standpoint, I wasn't stressing out that system. Um But physically, I, I was still sore. And, you know, just like if you had run a marathon, um, but recovery, I feel fine. And I actually had told my husband the – Two, two to three weeks before, I was like, after this marathon, I'm going to take a month off because since I've started running, besides um, childbirth and like the recovery section for that, um, I've never taken time off of running. I run six days a week, always. I've never taken a break. Um, and I told my husband that after Chevron Houston, I would take a month break. I was like, I'm going to take the full month off and just do – Cycling classes, yoga, bar. Because I still like to be active. Um, I wanted to run today. It was really hard to not run.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you basically, and this is this is kind of how CIM went for me. I went I went into it with a very different strategy, but for me, CIM ended up being just like a long run. Yeah. Because I I didn't have the strength to finish the way I wanted to. So it was much like your friend. Right. It just had I just had a, a day that that was regrettable in some cases. But, hey, just the way it goes in others. And for you, it must have just been like, hey, this is was just like a really long run. But ultimately, like not that debilitating.
1: It really wasn't. It was it was like a very easy run. And and in your case, I want to say this, too, because I've run CIM I think that course is very difficult, Um, mostly because I come from the flatland over here. If there is one incline on the Chevron Houston Marathon course, that's it. CIM is full of rollers. You're going up and down the whole time. They tell you it's a net downhill and Boston Qualifier course, um, but you're going up and down a lot. I think that's a difficult course, so. You
0: are. You, first of all, you are. I'll say Houston is pretty flat. I once coached a guy, Ariel Velasco. I don't know if you know him. He's a doctor in the Houston area who's like does all the Houston races just like you do. And I remember him being like, I want to do hills. I'm like, but there are no hills. He's like, how about I do intervals up the parking garage of my hospital? I'm like, you are going to get killed yeah. if you do that. <laughs> Please promise me you're not going to do that. Promise me, Ariel. I remember getting him on the phone with him, being like, "I'm, I'm literally asking you to promise me that you're not going to do that because like you will, be, you will be a patient in your own hospital if you go, <laughs> you go do that strategy." Um, well, that's the thing about CM because I had um, I forget which conversation I had. I had this a similar conversation with someone where we we're talking about the rollers of the, of the course and how like uphill is not the same as downhill in terms of like a downhill does not cancel out an uphill. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not like a two to one or three to one ratio, but it's not. It doesn't cancel each other out. And so I checked. Like so, if you, I don't know, if someone's, you know, who listens to this is on Strava, they know, like the grade adjusted pace or the gap pace for a run. You check that out. And you can see. All right, so it's like today I did a moderately hilly run. I ran eight miles, and it was like three hundred and thirty-one feet of elevation gain. So it was That's like
1: a lot to me. That's a lot to me when I and, do a run. Like 20. And, and it was
0: decent. It was like there was no huge hills, so it was it was it was kind of similar to Cim. It was just kind of rollers, nothing enormous, but pretty gradual. But really, not a lot of flat, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so it's three thirty one. So it's like I think my average running pace was like nine ten. My gap pace was eight fifty seven. Yeah. Right. So the grade adjusted pace. If you go look at anyone's Strava file from Cim, their gap will be lower than their time, meaning in Strava's algorithm, the uphill was more than the downhill in terms of its effect on someone's pace which is not something that you would expect from a race that is kind of marketed as a net downhill super fast it's almost like you think of like the the revel marathons which are like drastically downhill you see a lot of them in like in the in the utah and the mountain area mountain areas um but it's not like that like ultimately like your gap pace is below your actual pace and and i think it's For me, I think it was even how slow I ended up being my average pace for that race was. It was like a 15 second gap pace decrease uh, in the Strava file.
1: So at what mile did you start to struggle? Like, when did you feel like it was getting really hard for you?
0: It was so predictable cuz it was like I just didn't I didn't have a lot of 2 hour runs. So like it just it was a very truncated build up. So for me it was around mile 16 17 I went from running like 8:45s and 8:40s and 8:30s to like I think at one point I was like running 8:15s. I remember catching I remember catching Amelia.
1: I remember I ran
0: up on Amelia and she was, she, was, she looks at me she's like what are you doing here? Like what do you mean? She's like I'm in the middle of my marathon pace segment because she was doing four by four miles with like one mile recovery and was running 20 miles. So I was like, because I knew what her plan was and she knew what my plan was. So she's like, I thought I was catching her during her recovery period. And I wasn't. I was catching her on her marathon pace period. And I was like. Oh, God, because I was running watch blind on purpose. So I wasn't like worried you know, worried about that. And ultimately, and this was, what I was telling some other people like offline was like, it didn't matter what pace I ran that day. I was going to crash around the three hour mark. I just didn't have the strength in me at that point, which is why I'm so excited for Eugene, because I'll be able to have like I'm starting a cycle fit, oh. which is like so different. So like I'll be able to run two hours plus every week for a long run.
1: I know somebody that that's running that race. That you know. I don't know if I can say who it is, but um, that'll be exciting. What do you mean? Exciting. Why can't you say who it is? <laughs> I, I don't want to give away any like extra information, but I actually... This morning, they told me and I was like, man, I need to run it now, too, because I think they have a half course. Right. Is that right? And you have a half
0: marathon. yeah. Um,
1: And I was like, man, and the weather is supposed to always be great there. Um, But Amelia is um, I remember I listened to your podcast for that for your recap of CIM, and I loved listening to that. Um, I related so much to you going, I feel like everybody does, you know, not every marathon you run is going to be a strong marathon. There are going to be some where you struggle. Um, but Amelia on her end, she is like a master pacer. She is a metronome. Um, her marathon that she just ran negative split who negative splits the marathon. That that's amazing. That's so much control. Um, so listening to your, uh, your podcast that, on the recap was so much fun to listen to.
0: And she is prolific, not not just as a runner, but as a writer, she is a prolific freelance journalist. And and she's been on this show talking about uh, some of the work that she's done. Um, She actually had an article in the is it the program, I guess, for, for, for Chevron talking about diversity and inclusion within the running space? And um, I wouldn't expect you to talk about this just generally. Maybe you don't even want to talk about it right now. We might just take this out after the fact. Uh, <laughs> I didn't run it by you before we before we uh, hopped on this episode. But with Amelia being a friend of yours, she's on your running group. You guys are both ran this race. What's it been like for you seeing an emphasis on inclusion and diversity in the running space in a way that... You know, not just necessarily globally, but even in your in your local running sphere.
1: You know, just kind of what I brought up earlier, how there is so much inclusion. I think that in our community in Houston, there really is so much inclusion. Everybody, um, I don't know, everyone is just so aware, I guess is the right word to say. Um, and I read Amelia's article that she wrote, I think... I can't remember the title now, but I think it was like cultural diversity. Um, it was really well written as she brought up a lot of really interesting points in the article. And I think, um, I think she actually posted it on her Instagram. If anybody wants to read it, I think, I can't even, I think her handle is em. Murray B. Benton. I can't remember. Um, But yeah, she's been a great person to run with. And then we also run with a friend named Vicky, who is a podcast host also on Runners of Hue. So hers are, she interviews people only that run in Houston. Um And she, ha, talking to her on long runs, she's told me that one of her big goals for the podcast was inclusion. She wants to involve people from Every group possible, so she has aWD athletes um, you know, bipoc, every you know she wants to include everyone. Um, and that's that's so cool, you know that's what the running community does is just bring people together.
0: I love it. and thank you for being part of it because you're doing great things bringing people together as part of the you know as an ambassador and connecting people and just the positivity that you exude at all times. Veronica, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. That was so much fun.
0: (laughs) Veronica, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute blast. And I am so happy that you were able to join us. Thank you, the listeners, listening all the way through to the end. I just appreciate it so much. If you love the show, feel free to share it. I really appreciate that as well. It really is a great way uh, to gain new listeners for the show. And that is always a positive thing as well. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing I'm amazed that the focus remains the vocal, focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.